What happens when you put two experts behind mics to match wits on the current state of financial services, the economy, investments, and more? From the American College of Financial Services, this is Wealth Managed. Welcome to Wealth Managed. I'm Michael Finca. I'm a professor of wealth management at the American College. I'm David Blanchett, head of retirement research at PGM. Today, we have George Nichols joining us here for the podcast. And George is not only the president of the American College, but also an expert in insurance regulation. And if there's one thing I know about insurance regulators, it is that they love insurance illustrations, right, David? Insurance illustrations are really the thing that can, gives consumers the information that they need to know about insurance products, and they're always accurate. Wow, a healthy dose of sarcasm off the bat. Well, George, thanks for being here. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. And I'd agree. Yeah. Michael, I, you know, I, all my conversations with Michael, I wanted to recommend him as a future regulator, and he just destroyed every bit of it in that intro right there. Well, I mean, so, you know, we're talking about illustrations, right? We were coming off a spectacular decade plus of equity returns. We're in an incredibly challenging yield environment. So, you know, how do advisors, how do agents, how do insurance companies talk about and how to demonstrate the value of their products to consumers? And one of the things that we do in the insurance business is we have advisors present to the policyholder or potential customer an illustration. And the illustration is just what it sounds like is if you buy this product, this is the return that we can provide for you and you can expect to get. Now, the key word is expect, okay? And the thing is that regulators over the years, they've always struggled with illustrations being too optimistic. And if you take today's times where the market has done so well, a consumer never thinks to say like, maybe this illustration is a little bit too optimistic. It's not. They actually are now setting them at a much higher level of optimism about what they're future returns are based on what the market's done. And one of the things about illustrations and, and about some of the products that are in the marketplace today on the insurance side is that you know it's based off some index. Now, one of the things I always used to love is when regulators would talk a lot, well, I could go out and find the best index performance over the last five years and then present that to a consumer and say, if you had invested in this, I want to show you how smart I am. But this is the kind of return, which then is somehow validating that the return I'm telling you I'm going to get is based on I was smart then and I'm smart now. And that's not true. Illustrations are really a, a big challenge. When Index Universal Life came out, which was probably the number one selling product over the last 10 years, which it's sort of tied to an index to the market on top of a, what I would call a term life insurance policy. So you, were, you use a term policy, you're creating cash value, and then you're getting the upside potential and there, you know, your downside's capped. But the thing was the upside potential tied to an index that I've looked at from a historical perspective, that to me is not reality. And the regulators in the last 10 years have had to go back and discuss what are the limitations on these products twice. And now I think they're debating, are they going to have to go a third time? That is probably one of the fallacies to me in, in terms of how life insurance products are sold is, this, is, is the illustration. Because again, how optimistic do you want me to make it? What would you like to see? I can help you do that. And even though there are rules and guidelines that we require companies to do, there are ways for you to present it in such a way that it's so optimistic that one has to question whether or not you'd ever get that return. 
Well, no one is as good of a back tester as Michael. Michael can back test the heck out of things. And I think, <laughs> I think one thing that worries me not only today is that we've had these great returns, we're seeing rise of these like new synthetic indexes that didn't even yep. exist. Yep. Right, that have even better returns, and so not yes. only is just like just the market, I think, return over the last ten years just unachievable for the next. Right. Year. You just can't do this forever. But they're layering on top of that these kind of we can call it smart beta, strategic beta, whatever you call it. They did even better. And so I think what what I worry about it creates these false expectations for consumers who don't understand that the past really is no guarantee of future performance. Any thoughts there? You know what, David, you're working with Michael on being a regulator. <laughs> It isn't. I mean, look, I get nervous when you think about sitting down talking to a, a customer and, you know, they're sitting there and, and like you're a professional and you're telling me that I could potentially, of course, I didn't hear that word. You're telling me I'm going to get this return. I'm like, man, David wouldn't tell me. He wouldn't steer me wrong. So I'm going to do this. And this is happening, you know, over Zoom. This is happening over the kitchen table. This is happening in the office. And there's no way for the regulatory community to ever stop it because the challenge is that this is not going to play out for a year or two. And then we got a problem. And I really am worried about what this is going to look like, especially if and when the market turns. It will not be pretty at all. Now's a good time to take a break. We'll be right back. Give your clients the retirement security they need with our retirement income certified professional designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu slash RICP to learn more. Learn how a goal-based approach redefines 21st century investment with our Wealth Management Certified Professional designation. Bring your value to a new level at theamericancollege.edu slash WMCP. All right, we'll continue where we left off with George. So what, what should advisors or consumers, what should we be doing as an industry to protect people more? There's a couple of things. I hope people have chosen the right advisor. And I hope advisors are saying, I've been in this business a long time. I don't know how this could play out where we could get those kind of results. And they should be challenging the company. And I know everybody is thinking like, you know, it's sell, sell, sell. You know, right now in this, this COVID environment, there's a lot of companies that are really doing well. People are thinking like, I want to protect myself. People are thinking that I really want to invest more because I want to live a different life. So right now we have all these people saying, I want to do something different. And I'm trusting the people that I'm listening to. One, I would hope that the companies would do the right thing. And second, I hope that advisors would say like, you know what, <laughs> this just doesn't add up to me. And I don't want to go sell it and not get caught up in what my fee is going to be or what my commission is going to be. And, and I mean, I know that may sound Pollyanna, but, but I mean, really, I don't know any other way to do it because, you know, as companies, again, as we've talked about, are chasing yield. I mean, they're, they're willing to put stuff out there and I'm, I'm amazed. And so you, you know, you just add all this continued pressure of trying to make some sales number. We've talked about this in the context of other issues, but the other problem with this is there are mutuals that feel like they have to do what publicly traded companies are doing in order to compete. And one's driven by what is my numbers at the end of the quarter, others driven by I'm trying to compete with someone who's worried about what their numbers are at the end of the quarter when you really don't have to do that. And then we're putting more pressure on the advisor to say, look, everybody else has been successful. Why aren't you being successful? I'm giving you the best product. This is really one where I just see at the end of the day, the clients are the ones going to be hurt at the end of the day. 
And if the advisor is not advocating on their behalf, this is really a fiduciary issue. If you're really not advocating saying, it's hard for me to imagine how this is. Actually, just what I've actually told some consumers, ask them, are they invested in this? Again, I just don't know how you get these returns that people are offering. And then in the illustration, what we're presenting in the life space, I can give you whatever you want. I've, I've seen, you know, some very, very optimistic illustrations on whole life and it, it makes, it scares me. And that's as, that's as plain vanilla as you can get. So I think the essence of the problem is that you have safe assets and you have risky assets. And with risky assets, especially in a situation where safe assets are so depressing, the returns that you're going to get on any sort of bond investments that are reasonably safe right now, nobody wants to hear about it. So there is this sort of comforting uncertainty of risky assets that gives you the ability to pretend that you are certainly going to get a higher rate of return because you don't know what the rate of return is. It's certainly possible that you could get that higher rate of return, but the chance that you're going to get it exactly what you project is almost nothing. So essentially what you're going to get is some distribution. And this is the way that we teach understanding or thinking about risk in the WMCP is that yes, on average, by taking more risk, there is an expectation that you're going to get a bonus, you're going to get a premium, but because it's, it's risk, it's not guaranteed. That's the definition of risk. So you're going to get some distribution of returns. You don't know what that return is going to be in the future. It's going to be somewhere in that distribution, which is why you cannot project risky returns using some sort of a fixed illustration. You have to use some sort of stochastic random illustration so that people understand the range of future outcomes that they could potentially get. That's the only useful illustration for any kind of a risky product or a product that involves the use of risky assets. On average, you're gonna get more, but you can't guarantee that you're gonna get more. And the chance that you're going to get exactly that is almost nothing. You're gonna get either more than that or less than that. And you have to understand how much less you could get and then what the product looks like if you do get less. So, but that's not something that the insurance industry alone is guilty of. There are a lot of financial advisors that will say, well, I'm gonna put you in an 80% stock portfolio. Historically, stocks have gotten between 10 and 12%. You know, so I'm gonna just project out that you're gonna get an 8% return on your portfolio going forward. It's never gonna be exactly that. It's always going to be some range of returns in the future. And there have been 20 year periods where we haven't gotten that lucky. In fact, there have been 20 year periods where stocks have really not significantly outperformed bonds. You just never know exactly what you're going to get. But the problem is that if you don't have some sort of stochastic illustration, you give this perception of certainty when certainty can't exist. Michael, I tell you, Michael, I think it was excellent points that you made. And, you know, getting back to the question David asked about, well, you know, what, what can we do here? What does the advisor do? There are two words that you use that are very, very critical to the success of this. This is risk and this is guaranteed. And it is important that advisors are being clear about the risk associated with what they're selling and what they're presenting to their clients and what they are guaranteeing. And, and I, I think sometimes we try to blend the words and you know scoot over them, but that ultimately everything that we've discussed here comes down to risk guarantees. But George, I hear conversations among advisors that sell insurance products 
And they will say, well, I'm not going to sell this product because it doesn't illustrate well. This product illustrates better. That creates a problem, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Most consumers don't understand it. And now you've got an advisor who is sitting there saying like, which one of these is going to help me sell the product by offering something that may or may not be realistic? So it's not a sales illustration. It's supposed to provide useful information, but it can sometimes be misused as a sales illustration. Totally could be misused as a sales illustration. Well, it sounds like it's safe to say that past performance has no guarantee of future results and that advisors, consumers are likely to be kind of weary when it comes to illustrations because what they suggest may happen may not. Would you say that's correct, George? I would say that's definitely correct. Well, but don't uh, buy a product just because of an optimistic illustration. It's good to be optimistic, but not necessarily to peg your financial future on optimism. And understand when you're buying what's at risk and what's guaranteed. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, George. Thank you, Michael, for having me. I'm Michael Finca. Thank you for joining us. And I'm David Blanchett. See you all later. For more episodes and shows, visit theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. Wealth Managed is a production of the American College of Financial Services. 